Good afternoon. I'm just sitting here trying to remember what, what, what the title of my talk is. I think, it, I think it's, it's my fault or something. Is that, is that what it is? It's my fault. Well, it is my fault because he, he asked me, do you, do you want to give a talk this year? I said yes. So this is my fault. This is all the stomach churning and the, the fear and all the rest of it. I can only blame myself because I could have said no, actually. He wouldn't mind it. And then he, he said, the title is, It's My Fault. And then he looked at me. I said, okay, okay, that's all right. Full of confidence. Times change. <laughs> well, everything's my fault, isn't it, really? Because I live in the, my own little world. I was talking about worlds the other day, and someone was saying something like... Uh, uh, Oh yeah, we, we, we should spend in our time making the world a better place. So I said, whose world? And it sort of stopped the conversation. <laughs> but this is the way we think, isn't it? We, we make the world a better place. Why don't, why don't you do something to get the better with your life? Walking about in a skirt and with your baldy head and all the rest of it. Why, why don't you do something useful with your life? Do something for the world. Go out and do something for the world. Well, I have. <laughs> the world that I live in. The world that I live in has changed, just changed drastically over the past 31 years, 32 years, actually. Quite changed drastically. The world that I live in now is very different to the world that I lived in before I started to live in this world. Although sometimes I yearn for the old world, with all its suffering. I yearn for the old suffering. As I replace it with the suffering that I have now. People don't realise that when you become a monk or a nun or whatever, you still suffer. It's the same as everybody else does. Because we still have a mind, we still have a body, Pain in my pains in my feet that I never had when I was young. Would you close that window for me, please? Got the draft. That's it. Thank you very much. I don't like drafts, but it was one draft I used to like in my old world. Right. We're not allowed to have that. We're not allowed to have alcohol now. So. Um, yeah. So the, 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 it is our fault. The, the, the world that we life we, we live in this life, yes, it is our fault. We did ask to be born, whether we realise it or not, according to the Buddhist teachings. Every one of us uh, took rebirth into this time, this age. And according to the Buddha, uh, we come from lives before. So people often ask me, well, why, why did you become a monk? Why, why, why did you get interested in Buddhism? Or when? Sometimes they ask me why, sometimes they ask me why. Because I was born in, uh, in England, North London, highly salubrious North London, Edmonton. I was born when the, when the bombers were going overhead during the Second World War. That was my fault, not the war itself, but the fact that I was that I was actually in, in it, more than halfway through it. I grew up there, in North London. I was a little boy there, a little baby there. I was a little boy. I don't remember being a little baby. I was a little boy there. I remember being a little boy. I remember preschool and then going to infant school, junior school, senior school, failing me 11 plus. I was talking to a little girl the other day. She was... She's just about to take her 11 plus. I hope what happens to her, I hope what happens to her is not what happened to me, because I failed it miserably. I hope she gets a better education. <laughs> and then that was my life. Then I left school. I 
was at 57, went to work, left work, became a soldier, left soldiering, emigrated to Australia. That was a big, big step in my life. Not, not necessarily the immigration itself, which was quite easy. They paid half of my fare. Fat, fat, I think they paid two thirds of it, actually. You didn't get the full, when I went, you didn't get the full quid. They didn't pay all of it. They didn't want you that much. They wanted you a little bit still, if you was English. Uh, but, they said, but they didn't pay all the fare, they paid part of it. Went to Australia. Actually, when I got to Australia, I found I was in a different world. Physically, I was in a different world. Blue skies, sunshine, blue sea, always near the sea, live near the sea. Very nice, friendly people. Space, funny, funny, um, funny accents, which I picked up a little bit. It was a new world. But you know, it's a funny thing. When I lived in my new world, I found that the old world was still there. The same old loneliness, the same old sorrows, <laughs> the same old desires, same old restlessness, same old shyness. The same old sort of ambitions. Ambition for something I couldn't have when I was in England and I couldn't have it there when I was in Australia. I still couldn't have it. All the things that I sort of missed that I couldn't do, I couldn't manifest when I was in England, when I was a little English boy, I couldn't manifest in Australia either. It was a completely different world. But my world actually didn't change that much. Didn't change that much. I found I'd taken nearly all of the old world with me. I dragged it all the way across the sea. I went on a boat, actually. It was the most boring three weeks of my life, I think. I was on this wonderful sea cruise to Australia. It was so boring, I nearly went out. Then it went out the top of my head. Other people enjoyed it. <laughs> they told me how much they enjoyed it when we got to Australia. How much they enjoyed the cruise. And it wasn't. It wasn't like a, a like a, one of these very expensive cruise ships. <laughs> it was a migrant ship. <laughs> no dancing girls or whatever. On the way there, in fact, my world changed, changed on the way there during that three weeks because the, the suffering became more intense. I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't get away from it. It was only you had the, you had the, the, the size of the ship, the railings of the ship was on that side and the railings of the ship was on that side. And there was only one place you could go, the one place you could escape to. I'm not a very good swimmer. So I had to put up with three, three weeks of utter and complete boredom. I was so glad to see land. <laughs> we landed in um, Western Australia. And I was never more glad to get off of a ship than it was that one. But we had to get back on it again uh, and then sail around the south, south and southern tip of Australia to go to Melbourne and then to Sydney. In Sydney, I was released. I escaped. Took my little world ashore for the last time. And then come the, uh, the difficulties of finding a job, getting on with people, finding somewhere to live. We're looking, trying to find the, uh, the exciting life that I'd heard about when people immigrated south to the sunshine, the blue seas, the big lands. But all I could find was this same old little world. 
uh, wherever I went, <laughs> it came with me, and I found I was always living in. Things changed gradually, of course. I got to know people. I did some work, got, got work, temporary jobs, because I was moving about. I was very restless. I was always, I've always been a restless person. I moved about a lot. But gradually, I began to see, actually, living in Australia, actually, is not a, not a big deal. My life hasn't changed that much. Sure, the, the surroundings changed. And that was definitely an interesting thing. Western Australia was a lovely place. Sydney, I love Sydney. Sydney was a wonderful town. But inside... This little hole that I was looking at, this little round hole that I look at at the world through. <laughs> that didn't seem to be so much change there, actually. Because the world that I was living in there was the same world I was living in in Edmonton. My world, my little world, full of me, full of my desires, my wants, my fears. My ambitions, hopes. Hopes was a big one. I learned a lot, quite a, quite a big lesson from that, actually, because I think when you when you uh, live in like if we live in life, uh, we live with our families. Our life doesn't change that much. Maybe we stay living at home or we work wherever we work and that. And then we don't really physically go to a different place. We don't realise uh, how much you know, the, the world is just us, because we do. We we hear the world talked about. Because you now we got we've all got our own computers now. We've got our own iPads, iPhones. Uh, we put them on and we have a look at the world. Talk, what's what's Mr. Trump doing these days? Same old stuff. <laughs> what do they all do? What's Mr. What's Mr. Putin doing these days? And this is what we think the world is. We look into our our iPad screen to see to see how the world's getting on. What's happening in the world? <laughs> we don't actually we don't have to look in the screen to know what's happening in the world. We just have to learn to look back the other way, back inside. That's what the Buddha's teaching is, isn't it? It's what it's about. Beginning to look inside. That's why when he, when he started to teach, one of the first things he did was to start the Sangha. Bhikkhu Sangha first, and later on the, the, the uh, Bhikkhuni Sangha, the women, men the women. Because the Buddha was a very wise man, actually. He realised that you can't run away from the world. You can't, you can't find happiness somewhere else. That's what we all think, isn't it? Oh, when, when my kids are grown up, I'll be, I'll be free. <laughs> I'll be happy. Oh, when I, when I get my divorce. All these sorts of thoughts come into our minds. Only, if only when, when everything changed. And yet so often we find, even though we have big changes, like going to live in another country, immigrating, uh, actually we find that actually things haven't changed that much. Outside, yes. Yes, I get a nice suntan. I used to have a nice suntan. Little brown. I've got a, I got a bit of a little bit of a different accent. Got a bit of an Aussie twang. I don't know whether you can hear it or not, but some people can hear it. I can't, I just hear the same old little John, little Johnny. <laughs> uh, but other people tell me that they can hear my Aussie twang, my Aussie accent. So those things, those things can change. But inside, uh, the, 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 the real world that we live in, our world, our own world, uh, it changes. Some ways, in some ways it doesn't. But, it, but it's a mistake if we think that uh, by external changes, although they might be helpful, 
Uh, or if we look at the world, uh, the things what goes on around us outside of ourselves. And if we could sort all that out, then it would all be good. But we sort it all out and it's... Unless we change something inside, unless there is that opportunity, changing our circumstances, yes, that's good, that could be good for that, because sometimes life has become, uh, well, like a bit of a trap, really, because in the trap we just, we think the same old way all the time, because that's, we're living with people that think the same old way as us, or work and all the rest of it. Uh, we're the world, uh, things that we do, our jobs, encourage us to think the same old way or to think the same as everyone else. People, newspapers, uh, all give the same story. But what the Buddha saw was actually, that's not really the world and that is not really where the suffering is, the difficulties is. It's more like our own world that we create. Within our own hearts and within our own minds. I like to differentiate between those two because I don't think of the heart really as being, being the sort of the organ that bumps away for most of your life, stops when you die. But the heart is more like the emotions, that, as, that, that aspect of us that, that lives on the emotional side, that, 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 that creates friendships or enmity. That, that, that falls in love or uh, learns to dislike, and the mind more like more like a computer that computerizes thinks of the, the ways that we can get things better, make things better for ourselves, learn different things, do different things. But this is something that we we carry around within us. Right? And uh, this is something that can be, it can be influenced by the world outside. Sometimes we, we don't like that influence. We don't want to be influenced by the world that's around us, things that happen. And when we are influenced by it, and then we, we can blame our, our suffering onto those influences. What the Buddha points to is, is always learning to live with this, and take responsibility for it. It was my fault that I went to Australia. No one asked me to. I, I made up the decision to go. And when I got there, the things that I did, I did because I did from my own decision. And yet, whatever I found, whatever I went, whatever I found, I found the same old little me arose, and it was the same person I had to live with, and the same old problems were there. After some years uh, being in Oz, I wasn't there all that many, three or four years, I started to really realise, actually, this wasn't, I don't know if this was a good idea, because <laughs> not much had actually changed inside me. Still didn't have any friends, really. Couldn't really do the things I really wanted to do. Uh, lack of ambition or lack of... Um, Certainly, probably the um, the opportunities were there, but maybe the, the inability to take one's opportunity, whatever it was. So then, I looked. I began to look for something else, something else outside as well. I started to look for books. I go to the libraries, all the different libraries, looking bookshops, and then one day I found a book in a library. It was a book about Buddhism. There was nothing about Buddhism. Didn't have hardly any interest in religion anyway. But I just decided to take this book off the shelf and read it. And that made a big difference to me. It was only a small book. I can't remember much about it. I think it was, I think it was written by a Japanese. It was originally a Japanese book that had been tra translated into English. I can't remember the title of it or the author. And uh, in that, by the time I got to the end of that book, my life really had changed almost completely. Because I, I'd learned some things that when I, I, when, by the time I got to the end of the book, questions had been answered. 
ever, the, the questions that I'd had ever since I was a child that, that, that were never answered when I was in, before this, when I was in England as a child or when I, when I was in Australia uh, as, a, as a young man. And this whole thing about it's my fault, I didn't see it in this way. This, I'm getting this from this, this uh, title, of the, the talk that I was given. But still, it's an interesting thing to reflect on. Uh, it's my fault. I realised that got into this book, what I read in this book, it was about, it was about the Buddha's teachings, it seemed to be very authentic, uh, that actually my life and my problems, uh, the way, the way, you know, I, I basically I was responsible for that. I was responsible for this. is another way of putting it. It's maybe a bit of a softer way of putting it. My life is my responsibility. It's my fault. Um, so questions that I'd had ever since I was a child and had never been answered, never could find an answer for, were answered by the time I'd got to the end of this book. All, all of the big questions, actually. That was very interesting to me because I could see that this book uh, was very, very different to anything I'd ever read before. I had, I had been brought up as a Christian. I used to go to Sunday school. My brother-in-law was my Sunday school teacher. And I knew what, you know, that much of Christianity, what you learn at Sunday school. And I went, used to go to church in the evening, more to please my mum than of any interest to uh, the, the, the church itself. I think, I think the, uh, the church uh, ended with the arising of, what was it, Sunday night at the London Palladium. That's a television show, I don't know if it's still on. That started. I think the church lost a, the, a lot of uh, Sunday night attendances when that, that television program started. Sunday night at the London Palladium. It was the first time that poor people could see sort of a really flash uh, London show for nothing. <laughs> and so, but I, I just knew really about religion or about the, the, you know, person I have, I've been a person uh, through that, what I learned, say, at church or at Sunday school. But when I asked the real questions, why, why are we poor? And uh, I go to another part of London, the people are obviously not poor. Why aren't we rich like the others, or even relatively rich, reasonably rich? <laughs> Why, why are some people ugly? Well you, well, you know, sometimes you meet people who are really ugly. Their, their bodies are ugly, looks ugly. And some people are very beautiful, aren't they? We're all looking for someone beautiful. <laughs> you see someone beautiful. Why is, there, why is there two there? Why are some people... If we're all human beings, we all eat the same food, we live in the same place. Why are some people ugly and some people beautiful? Seems unfair, really. I'm sure the people who are ugly didn't ask to be ugly or didn't want to be ugly. <laughs> You'd have asked them, what, when you're born, what would you want to be? Do you want to be ugly or do you want to be beautiful? They'd have said, I want to be beautiful. It's natural, isn't it? And why some people are clever? Some people have really good jobs or they have good education. You know, they're obviously very clever. They get uh, influence. They get the ability to be in charge of people, instead of being someone who someone else is in charge of, uh, they're the ones who are in charge. They get, get the better money. If some people are rich, obviously, some people are poor, aren't they? You only ask this question if you're poor. When you're rich, you don't ask that question. Because <laughs> it's obvious, because you deserve to be. <laughs> but why are some people rich? Why are some people poor? Why are some people beautiful? Why are some people... Ugly. In my street, uh, there was a, a lady who used to live there. Uh, she lived in one of the sort of worst houses. And she, she, her feet were both turned inwards like this. So when she walked, when she used to walk, she used to walk by lifting one foot over the other, like that. That's how she used to walk along. She used to walk very slowly. She lived by herself. 
just in the in the street, working class, poor working class street. And I used to think, oh, poor lady, why does she why why does why does she why is she like that? Why was she born like that? It's so different to everyone else. And so these questions were questions, maybe they're the questions that we ask when we're children. But these were the sort of things that often used to occupy my mind when I was young. If, if, if God loves all of, his little, all of his children, and I believe that, you know, he does, then why are some, why, where's this difference between some? Some are so unfortunate and some are fortunate. Well, I, that was a, those were the question. If you asked anyone, people were just sort of embarrassed because they didn't really know why that was. But when I came to the end of that book, that first book, Buddhism, a lot of these sorts of questions were answered for me. According, because in this, this, there was the explanation about rebirth. That this isn't, this isn't the, the, before that, maybe we just come, live one time on the earth, then we die and then that's the end of it. Seems a bit pointless really. And especially if, you're, if you are in a, a sort of, of position, you've got a body or uh, financially, that, you're, that it's very unfortunate. You're not, you're not in a very fortunate state. Some people are in a very fortunate state, some people are in a very unfortunate state. Seemed, seemed, how does it work? How does all this work out? Who says that this person's going to be poor? This one's going to be rich, this one's going to be beautiful, this one's going to be ugly, this one's going to be healthy, this one's going to be sick. So who makes the decision about that in life? That, that used to, like in the back of my mind, that was the unanswerable question. In, in my generation, anyway, at the age that I lived in, because if you asked it, no one knew. And it does seem unfair if our, if our maker loves all of us the same, why aren't we all as fortunate as each other? I mean, we, we, when you have children, you, you don't hope that one of them is going to be you know, always sick and the other one's going to be healthy. You hope they're all going to be healthy. Or they're all going to be healthy. They're all going to be good looking. They're all going to get handsome spouses, do well in life. You want them to get on, do well. That's what we want for our kids, isn't it? But it doesn't work like that, does it? So wanting, wanting is not uh, part of it, really. So when I came to the end of this book, that sort of, I felt a sense of calmness there. Not because I could do anything, <laughs> I could change the situation, but there seemed to be something saying, well, it's, there is, it's reasonable. It's reasonable that these differences are there because we are all different, we act differently, we have different values. According to the Buddha, according to the Buddha, one, one thing, there's a couple of things this book did teach me about, which I didn't know about before, was, was the five precepts. It talked a bit about the five precepts. I'd never really heard of that before, five precepts. I'd heard of the Ten Commandments, but no one ever seemed to if you asked someone what they were, they probably wouldn't have even known. I might give you a couple of them, I suppose. But no one really seemed to live by those, those standards. I could see it. Not many people actually knew what they were, actually. But it's rather a lot, isn't it? <laughs> Ten commandments is a lot. It's a lot to think about. One of the five precepts that I learned from this book, I thought... Ah, actually, you can do this. You can live with these. You can live live with these as a as as a guidelines or or as a way of, of you know to guide your life. What I saw is that they stretched. When I thought about it, because I started to practice them, you see, this was the thing. I took them uh, as a a, a way, uh, something something to practice to change my life. But, so I started to keep the five precepts. What I noticed was that they that wherever I was, whatever I was doing. They applied. Whoever I was with, they applied. Five. That's five. 
Uh, and, and yet, uh, if I wanted to keep them, uh, then I had to do it myself. And if it didn't, it was my fault. It was something that I had to do. But when I looked at them, they were possible. Maybe because I was single. <laughs> Maybe when you're married, you've got a family, it's, it, you see it a bit differently. But from my point of view, they were possible. They were simple. Refrain from killing, stealing, sexual misconduct. Well, I, didn't, I hadn't done any of those things anyway. I was already in my 30s, mid 30s. I'd never done any of those things, killing, stealing, sexual misconduct. Those, uh, uh, the, the rules there. I, what I found was, if, one, if I made a bit of effort, they did sometimes give, put a, a, a bit of a barrier up. Some of them were a bit, um, I did have to yeah, overcome something inside, but I felt, found if I just, if I give, put aside my desires and my wants, it actually wasn't that difficult to keep the precepts. I was a single man person. But I was so surprised because before, things like precepts, rules, commandments, all seemed to be difficult things. Something actually we, we, we would prefer to avoid. Something to, to block our fun, to take all the joy out of life. <laughs> rules were there to, to make us, to stop us having fun, really. I guess that's how we saw it. But these were for, these were rules, uh, to stop us actually doing unwholesome things. Because, well, the other thing I found in it when I read this book is uh, that our actions have results. <clears throat> and those results, yeah, are our life. That's what our life is, really. The results of our actions. Not just in the present moment, but the actions we've done. So I saw that these, these, uh, these five precepts weren't just a set of rules, they were very personal things. Something that we could you know, take into our life to take control of our life, command of our life. So I started to, to keep the five precepts. I wasn't always successful at first, because the old habits were there, of course. And then also in this book it talked about karma. That was a sort of a, something that was not, I didn't know anything about. I'd heard the word from the, um, from the Beatles in the 60s, from the um, instant karma's going to get you. And so the word wasn't unfamiliar to me. But I didn't really know what it meant. It was sort of a trendy, it was, it was sort of a trendy, wasn't it, in the 60s? Trendy word, trendy ideas that came up. All the people in the street with their tambourines and their funny, funny robes, old heads. <laughs> but still, when I look, in the, in this when I read this book, the, the idea of karma, karma and rebirth, they they, they use the karma and rebirth. It was different. Karma was simply means action. What it means. Karma. Karma, there's two words actually karma vipaka. Karma means action, good or bad, silly or wise. And vipaka is, means the results of that action. So when we do an action, most of our actions probably not all that, all that um, strong or important. But still, there'll still be a result comes from them, but the, 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 but the result matches the actions. So, so it's not a strong action. It's not like we go around murdering people every day or beating people up or stealing or whatever. Those sort of actions will bring a result into our life we might, that, that we will feel, but we might, might not sort of realise what they are, what it is that we're feeling. Change the path of our life. But when I read this, uh, by the time I got to the end of this book, I understood what the, what the, what the Buddha talked about, the law of karma, rebirth, cause and effect. Uh, and then because 
we want to live a good life because we want to get good results for our life. This is not like good as regards to how much money you can earn, <laughs> but life itself. Uh, the way to do that was through the keeping of the, of the precepts, with the guidelines for us, uh, for, for a way of life, a way to live. So when I read that um, book, there were other things in it as well. I suddenly realised that my life did have meaning. Like my life began to feel as if it didn't have any meaning because, you know, I'd come to here, I'd come to Oz, given up my old life to have this new life of adventure, bronzed Aussie, riding a horse, all the rest of it, none of which happened. <laughs> I did get a suntan. And yet I could see still, wherever I was, whatever I was doing, my actions had result. And that result came into my life. If, the, if, the, yeah, my, life, if my actions were unwholesome, unskillful, the result was not particularly good. And yeah, I could look back at my life, I see all my failures. One of these people that's very good at looking at their failures and then, and then reminding, myself, reminding myself about them. Which is, which, is, which is a volitional action in itself and very ne a very negative one. You keep on telling yourself that you're a failure, then obviously you'll become one, won't you? That's karma. <laughs> it's cause and effect. So this, when I got this title, when I was offered this title, it's your fault. And I, I could have said, oh no, that's, that's too difficult. <laughs> that's too difficult, that's too vague. I don't, I don't think I could talk about it. But actually, what else can you talk about? You look at the Buddha's teachings. That's what his teachings are all about. Taking, resp responsibly, res taking responsibility for, one, for one's own life. Buddhism is not like most other religions. It's not like a, a set of set of ideas uh, that, that we, we, we tell. This is the truth. No, you, you must believe this. And if you believe this, then we'll treat you nicely. If you don't believe it, then we'll either ignore you or we won't treat you nicely. It's not like that. It's not, not something we're, we're asked to believe. Buddhism is more like a self-reflection. of every moment of our life. Because every moment, there's action. Thoughts. How, how long during the day did you go without thought? Without thoughts, bumbling away, <laughs> bumbling away in the mind. I know, and I don't go long. And some of those, some of those thoughts are really stupid. Uh, some of them are okay, really. Some of them are wise. But they're there, you know, they are there. And actions, how, how long, and also like speech, how, how, long, how long can we go during the day and not speak? Just be silent. We're surrounded by people. We're listening to all sorts of radios, televisions, hearing other people's views, ideas. And this, this encourages us to think, and then it encourages us to speak, and it encourages us to do, physically to do things. And all of these things are karmas. They're all things that we do on purpose. We think. We think in a specific way. We think about someone. We think about how nice they are, <coughs> their qualities, how much you love them. Or you go to the other side, you think about what a horror they are, all the nasty things they do and how much you hate them and what you'd like to do to them. These are, just, these are thoughts. They're, they're volitional things. They're things that we do on purpose. The quality that, say, if I think nast, nastily about someone, then that's the sort of thoughts I'm creating. And, well, I'm, and then I'm creating that person in my mind, don't I? So I create, create a person in my mind, then I, maybe I start to hate them or dislike them. What I'm, dis, uh, what I'm hating and dis, disliking is not necessarily 
the person themselves, but my image of them, my mental image that I, that I have of them. This is how I start to see them. This is what I create. I believe it. Think about it. Maybe I start to hate them. But who's that? You know, who, who is that person? It's someone I've created. Myself, I can do that myself. I can think of all my own faults. All the stupid things I say and do. I can compare myself to the other monks. All clever, the other nuns, all, all so clever. Uh, and I can create a really silly me. Really stupid me if I want to. It's easy to do because I can look at other people's qualities and their, um, their um, things that they can do that are good and I can see that I can't do that and, and, and dwell on that about myself and then create a me in that, in that way. But it's not me, is it? It's, it's what I'm creating. So if I start to live that, if I, if I think about things about myself that are negative for long enough, then I start to do that or act in that way or speak in that way. I can create a me and then start to, like, start, like to act like an actor. When an actor goes on the stage, if he's doing a Shakespearean play, then they say, okay, you're this person. Then they have to take on the persona of that person, don't they? Part, and an act in that way that they presume he would have acted, you know, three or four or five hundred years ago. And the more that they can take on that person's persona and act how they think he would have acted, then the better actor they are. The better the mimicking someone else. Well, we do that with ourselves. We listen to what other people say about us, uh, or we listen to what we we say about us, and we and we we judge ourselves by other people's how other people are. And then we create this little person and start to act in the way that we think that little person should act. That's what I find in myself anyway. So in the Buddha's teachings, it's more like when we look in ourselves, we begin to look, look at ourselves in a way that is more clear. But also, if we do see something in ourselves, if, if we got the, we're living by the five precepts, then we see something in us that doesn't want to keep this precept or that precept. Then it's something for us to look at. It's like a mirror. It's like a mirror. We can see ourselves in a different way. We can start to see ourselves in a different way. Go beyond that which we don't like to do or we don't want to do to do something that is different than what we that which we usually value. You see, what happens when we do? When we do that, what happens when we do keep the precept? What happens when we don't? But either way, it's up to us because it's 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 an action, a volitional action, and it, because it's a volitional action, it has as a result. So the Buddha said that we can actually change our own lives. So my life is very different to the the little guy that got on the boat and went off to Australia 40 years ago, whatever it was. My life is very different now. I live very differently. But it was me that made the change. It was me that read the book. It was me that started to, 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 to guide my life from the, from the values that I got out of the book, which were the, the values of Buddhism, Buddhism in general. It was me that t tried to get an understanding of what was, what was meant by the terms that I read in the book, the term karma or uh, vipaka, rebirth, or these sorts of things. Try to get to understand what they really mean. Because all these things really, they, they just point back into ourself. What I saw is, after a while, I began not to look out at the world all the time, to try to change the world, uh, to be disturbed by the world <coughs> because actually what I began to see after some yeah, time of practice that the world was me. The sorrows that I had was me. Yeah, sure, there may have been some influence from outside but how that, that how a thing did influence me depended really on me than it did more on that. Because some things, if I didn't want them to influence me, 
I didn't let them influence me. I took no notice of them, or I purposely went against them. And I could say, oh, I don't have to be influenced by that thing. Sometimes when, when people were better than me, they, they, they could do things better than me, and then I would get a sense of, like, inferiority. Because when, you, when you're born uh, sort of at the lower end of the scale, life doesn't really, it's not offering you that much, you don't have a really good sense of yourself as being important or something special. <laughs> and so it's easy when you, when you, when you, uh, when you, as you live, as you act with others, you can see yourself in a very negative way and look at yourself in a very negative way. But then, as I said before, you can then create that, that person. And when we, when we have difficulties, we, we can blame the world around us. Oh, it's the world's fault. It's not fair. But actually, quite often, it is fair. Because it's the place that we have put ourselves in. It's the person that we have created and started to believe in. And so Buddhism, uh, the Buddhist teachings, what I like about the Buddhist teachings, I've been a Buddhist now f since what? That was about, oh, I don't know, about 76 since I read that book. It was quite a long time ago. And I've been learning all the time, all the time since then, taking an interest in that. And uh, more and more I see that the world is, the world that I live in, even living here with all the monks and the nuns, it's easy, I can get it if I want to, I can get into dispute arguments or I can, I can look at other monks and be jealous of them if I want to because they're, you know, they're very talented or I just, I just dislike them. I don't like them because they're like they are and I don't like their personality. I just start to dislike them and see them as nasty people, people who are not very nice. But then, but then when I look, because of the, the way our training is, I begin to look, well, this is my view of them. Really, this is not what they are. This is not what they really like. This is how I see them. Otherwise, every, everybody would dislike them, wouldn't they? But not everybody does dislike them. Maybe I do. And then I can question my, myself. What are, what are my values? Why am I creating a person? It's because they have a, a different way of being than I do, because they're cleverer than me, or, or because they're not as clever as me. I can, I can put a value onto them. But these are just, again, these are just, they've just become a, a, a part of a world that I am creating. Creating my own enemies. Creating my own friends. But, but it's still my world. So then I can begin to change my view of other people. I can see it's just another person. Oh, we've got the same old problems. We've all got human beings. Really can't be perfect. None of us can be perfect. In, in the sense of being a, a person, being a human being. I don't think there's any such a thing as a perfect human being as such. But, uh, but we, can, we can live in such a way that we can guide our action, physical action, we can guide our verbal actions, and we can guide uh, our mental actions, the way we see. That was the Buddha say, he, he says, okay, well, because it is so very easy for us to, to, to create people that we live with, why don't we create them in a certain way? So, so he, instead of just going on our own views and opinions about people, he suggests that we develop loving kindness in our own hearts towards ourselves uh, and towards others. You know, it, without needing to change them, develop loving kindness towards them. Compassion, sympathetic joy. Everybody has, has problems, everybody loses. Sometimes everybody wins sometimes. Sometimes when they lose, 
we feel a bit happy. <laughs> because because we, we, we can be jealous, can't we? Sometimes we want them to lose because <laughs> we don't like it. But when we develop uh, and live in a way where we, where we develop the four divine abidings, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity, then we begin to see the world in a different way, see people in a different way. It's not just individuals who are like this and like that, but human beings, same as I am, human beings. But even though I've learned the Buddha's teachings and I've, you know, I've practiced as a monk, I can see a lot in, lot in my personality that's exactly the same as it was when I, when I sailed off to Australia, actually. There were some things, as a person, that ain't no different. But I don't have to get rid of that. I just don't have to believe in it anymore. I don't have to believe that this is what is real. This is the reality. So I can, I can do stupid things or think stupid things. But as long as I don't do something that is harmful to another person, what I think is just what I think. It doesn't really matter so much. Thoughts do affect us, but as long as we know and understand this idea of karma, of action, actions and their results. As long as we understand the, the reason why the Buddha so gave the five precepts for us to, to, to guide our lives by and talk about this, uh, these four divine abidings because these are things that all human beings can do, can practice with, can learn. If you try to teach a cat about the compassion to mice, probably won't do it because it's the nature of a cat. If a mouse runs in front of it, you jump on it. And in the animal world, because, because animals live by instinct, don't they really? Their, their, their lives are very instinctual. But our lives isn't instinct, is it? We can think, we think in all the time. We can think and reason, we can change our mind. We can think in a certain way and then act in a certain way and we can look at our actions and see the results that come from that. And then we can say, well, I don't want those results anymore. So how do I change it? By thinking differently? Maybe by acting differently. If you want to make friends with someone but you're always doing something nasty to them, you're not going to be successful. You're always doing nasty things. You always feel jealous. You'd like to be their friend, but they're horrible people or whatever. You feel you can't be. But actually, if you change your attitude, maybe you can. But you won't do it unless you do it. You won't, you won't change that scene, that, that, that relationship, unless you do something yourself. You change your way of looking at them. This is what the Buddha's teachings are all about. They're not only... Uh, a teaching where he encourages us to take responsibility for our own world, ourself, our own world, within ourselves. But he, he gives us the, the practices to change that, to change the way that we see our own world, to change the way that we see ourselves. I think the way that I see myself now is very, very different to it was the day that I walked walked down the gangplank in Sydney Harbour all those years ago. I see myself very, very differently. That is one thing that has changed. I've got older. The body's got older. The mind has changed. I don't think it's got older, but it certainly has changed. And I'm much more, much more uh, able to take responsibility in myself to... I don't like everyone still. I still have people that I don't like. I, I live, in a live in a community where people come from all over the world. There's bound to be, bound to be differences. So I can dislike people with differences. But when I'm disliking someone's differences, I also realise that it's just me. People that come from the same place he does, does, the, does do, do things in the same way he does, 
or she does. Uh, and they don't see that. They don't see nothing wrong with that. They don't see nothing difficult with that. But because I come from a different place, different culture, different time, and I see what they do, then I find it difficult to, 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 um, to um, accept that the way it is, how they're, how they're acting. But if I change my way, I can just say, well, it's just different. They're just different, that's all. I just go change my way of seeing, change my way of looking. But that's my responsibility. It's not, it's not his or hers. If I want to change my world, then I have to change it within me. Like the Buddha, he mixed with all sorts of different people. Some people liked him, some people didn't. Some people were very jealous of him. At the time of the Buddha, there was lots of, lots of uh, people like him, religious people, you know, who were in rather strange uh, little groups. Then there was the Brahmins, which was the sort of overall religion of the, of the area of his time. But he didn't, he, didn't, he, he didn't necessarily agree with the teachings that they kept or what they did. And a lot of them were, were obviously very jealous of him. Some of them just didn't like him anyway because of, the, of what he was teaching and the fact that he, he was so, becoming so successful in starting an order which he was wanting to do. But he didn't bother about that. He didn't, he didn't return their aversion or jealousy. He just, he just got on with what he was doing. And whenever he came, came together with people that disagreed with them, he just made friends with them. Within himself, he treated them kindly uh, and in a very friendly way. He never argued with people. And then if they were willing to listen, he would give them his wisdom, his understanding. If they were willing to accept that, then he would ha talk about that and he would listen to what they had to say. If he accepted it, he would just accept it. If he didn't, well, he wouldn't say anything. Or he, might, he might discuss with them. But he never argued with them, never fought with them, never tried to beat them down with his opinion. Because that was not what he was trying to do. He made friends through kindness. He made friends through accepting people as they are. He didn't create people in his mind. So this is what I see over my life as a monk. It's not for me to to create people uh, or want people to be as I want them to be. I'm not, I'm not out to make friends of seven billion people. Seven billion friends would be a bit too much, wouldn't it? Especially at Christmas time. And what I am, what I am trying to do is to make friends with me because I'm the one that I live with all the time. And if I can be a friend here, <coughs> oh, then I can accept whatever comes along. Because, because the, the, the four divine abidings, it's not that we have to want to be with them, we, we have to sort of want to be big buddies with them, or always be with them, but it's a matter of accepting people for what they are without allowing one's view of them to be coloured by aversion or resentment or jealousy. Because if we have those things in our mind, really trying to finish, when we have those things in our mind, we are creating the person that we dislike. But if we develop friendship, friendliness, compassion, everyone suffers, everyone's had difficulty, compassion is a good thing. Sympathetic joy and equanimity, uh, then whatever we, whoever we meet, don't, we, we don't, don't mean to say we have to like them, but, but we just see them as human beings, suffering human beings. We all suffer, that's what he said, there is suffering. There was a cause of suffering. But there, is, there can be an end to suffering. And the end of suffering is through the path that he laid out. But that's an internal path. It's not a path of controlling others, making others do what we want them to do so that we don't feel frightened. 
so that we, we can just agree with that. It's, it's a path of change within. Because the world that I live in is my fault. It's not anybody else's fault. And if I want to change it, then this is where I change it. And this is what a monk's life is about, a nun's life. Anyone who practices the Buddha's teachings, it's about this change. Changing the world without changing the world. But just by changing oneself. And this is what the Buddha's teaching is about. It's not about having a set of principles which you believe and then beat up anyone who doesn't so that they don't threaten you. <laughs> you can listen to anyone's belief. But, but, what is, uh, but in taking responsibility for our own life and the way that we live, I live, the way that I think, the values that I have, this is, this is my business, this is my practice. This is my work. And that's, and that's my fault. I can't ask anyone to do it for me. Ajahn Sumedho, Ajahn Shah, Ajahn Amaro, they, they give me some assistance, but they don't do, do it for me. The Buddha himself said, I, 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 can, I can tell you the teachings, but I can't do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. I'll, I'll help you. I'll be a friend to you. I'll give you advice. But you've got to do it. Because your life is your fault. My life is my fault. And if I want it to change, the Buddhist teachings are there. And that's what I use. Other people can use whatever they want to use. <laughs> And I wish you all well. Time for tea. We have tea time now. And then we'll have questions. And you can knock me down. <laughs> <laughs>